Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, my final guest this morning, Blaise Brosnan from the Management Resource Institute, is no stranger to the programme. But his business advice and words of wisdom never failed to resonate with the Business Matters listeners. Blaise, we're in the midst of an energy crisis and with inflationary pressures increasing, how would you assess the current business environment? Morning, Carl. It's difficult, but business environment is, you know, it goes through cycles. There's good times and bad times. We came through the COVID period. We came into a good time and then the war in Ukraine and the impact of that on gas and energy generally, which percolates right through to practically everything. But, you know, that's the backdrop against which uh, we have to trade. Look, every time you join me, Blaise, we talk about the cycle, the economic cycle. I know there's a little bit of stargazing here to be done, but where are we in the current cycle in your estimation? It's very hard to say, but uh, I remember being in business back in the 70s and 80s and we were in an inflationary cycle which lasted at that stage maybe 15 years or whatever. And, you know, inflation was only 18 to 20 percent. If you look at the overall cycles, they tend to be 8 to 10 years. So, no, we won't necessarily be at the worst of the cycle for that period of time. You're always at the worst of the cycle, maybe for maybe 18 months or something like that. So, we're probably, where are we? We're probably six months into maybe that 18 months now. Uh, and But we're not going to see a deflationary period, I don't think, probably in the, for the next five, six, seven years anyway, you know. And for heavy energy users around the county this morning that have yet to pass on those price increases to their customers, what message have you got for them this morning? I would say that for, to all business people and particularly to those in that kind of scenario, uh, you can't be a hero. You know, if I go down to Coyle Claw tonight and I can't put up my hand and stop the tide coming to come in in spite of me, right? And it's the same way, you know, if your input costs are going up, uh, you know, nobody has a balance sheet strong enough uh, to be able to absorb that. They have to be passed on. Um, obviously, some businesses are more price sensitive than others, but I don't think any business is as price sensitive as uh, weak people think it is. For those that can't go out and get a price increase from their own clients, maybe because of contractual terms that they're tied into for the next number of years, they should definitely go and do a big exercise on looking at their overall cost base and to reduce those as much as they possibly can. Because no matter how tight somebody thinks they're running an organisation, there's always scope for savings, isn't there? Absolutely. And like, there's no such a thing as a perfect business out there. There's no such a thing as a perfect business person. There's always slack somewhere along the way. No, it depends on the business model as well. If if it's a business-to-business model... That's one scenario. If it's, if it's a business to consumer, that's kind of a slightly different scenario, right? But I'll just give you an example of a business to business, my client of ours, uh, and they import most of their uh, components in that from Japan and South Korea. Uh, they do something with it in Ireland and the majority is exported out again, but it's a business to business type of model. And they changed, uh, no, they have a very strong balance sheet. They could actually be heroes and hold it back. But the MD of the business, uh, uh, you know, that we work with, uh, his attitude is why should they uh, destroy the, the reserves in their balance sheet or whatever. So they went out, they adjusted their, their price, they went out to the market and they had only two complaints. Two, and the two complaints they had wasn't about the price rise, 
it was it was about you didn't give us enough notice to pass it on. Twenty-two complaints, one hundred and twenty customers around the world, and that were the only two complaints I got. There's a great lesson in that for business people listening this morning, no doubt about it. Now, I do want to speak to you about the importance of businesses investing in their future, investing in new equipment and vehicles and plants. We are hearing lots of talk at the moment about a global recession, a European recession, a recession in the UK, a recession in the US. Do you think that businesses should ignore that and get on with investing in their businesses and enter into debt if they need to to further invest at this stage? Yeah, good question. Uh not is forever in business, everything goes in cycles. And my contention is that the biggest investment any owner manager makes in that business is actually to take on and do uncomfortable things. We often think of investment as money, machines, that kind of thing. That is a very tangible investment. But I think the, the weakest investment that a lot of uh, people make in that business is they avoid making uh, difficult decisions. You know, they, they play around with it. Uh, they think they're doing it, but there's no business. I've never come across a business that is so perfect that they haven't uh, stood back from making critical decisions. And the critical decisions are, you know, eventually they make them because they have to, but there's a lot of time lost in between. And uh, one of the reasons uh, some people tell me they want to run their own business because they don't want to have a boss. But because they haven't a boss, we all have a boss. The market at the end of the day is our boss, right? And, you know, you have to have far more self-discipline, I think, to run your own business than to be running it on behalf of somebody else. I always remember reading Brian Tracy and he talks about eating that frog. Mm. Whatever that ugliest, biggest, most Mm. critical decision is to be made, it should be made in a relatively speedy manner. So what advice have you got for those business people that find it hard to confront and to deal with and to overcome those critical decisions that have to be made, how should they approach them? I think if they're uh, in their own head, very difficult for them, I think they should uh, talk to somebody. You, you take the, you know, contact the, the local Leo office or whatever and get a bit of help from a mentor or an advisor or something like that because it's easier for an outsider sometimes to A, to see what needs to be done and B, maybe to give a better methodology for doing it. Uh, and they can always blame the, blame the consultant anyway, which is always useful in a, in a smaller operation. Um, nobody has all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. But what I see out there is, irrespective of the economy, the good guys always do okay. Like if you look at any industry, irrespective of the economic cycle, in that niche of the industry, uh, of that niche, you'll find that a third of the operators always do well. A third hang in there and there's a third on the way out. And the third on the way out, uh, there's lots of reasons for it. But, uh, you know, it could be an age factor. It could be that they're just burned out. Uh, It could be that they don't have a good kind of eco uh, support system around them. You know yourself, uh, Cal, that running to be the owner manager of the MD of a small business is a very lonesome journey. It's a very mentally isolating journey. And one one has to make a lot of uh, decisions uh, kind of in isolation and stand by them. But, but the result is that they often don't make those decisions in time. 
And something I always hear you say, and you say it every time you join us here on Business Matters, is the good guys will always do well, irrespective of the economic climate, whether there's a war going on in Ukraine, a recession going on, whether there's a pandemic behind us, the good guys always do well. So what is it about those good guys? You've met lots of them over the years, men and women, right across this country. What are the attributes of those people? I think the main attribute is the clarity of purpose. They're clear about what they want to achieve. They don't always know how, but they understand the difference between what has to be achieved and how it might be achieved. Poor operators are people that get poor results. They get into the whole bit of it far too early, in my view, without anchoring what they want to achieve. That's one thing. Second thing is that, uh, you know, none of us can uh, travel that journey on our own. We have to have uh, other supports along the way. And, you know, we have to be careful about who we allow to influence us, who we allow to support us along the way. And But if we have clarity of purpose, I think if we are seen to be going somewhere, there's a lot of support out there, both advice-wise, money-wise, every, everywhere. Why are not more business people availing of those supports, those great supports through the LEO network, mm. to Enterprise Ireland, through the leader companies, Wexford Local Development and others? Yeah, it's a hard one to answer, but um, I think we're all the victims of bad advice that was given in, in good faith, which is deadly in my view, right? Because bad advice given in good faith, we tend to believe it. And the bad advice I got and I, as I was going up, and I'm sure it's for most people, listeners out there, is work hard, work long, sweat more, and you'll be okay. That, that's the wrong formula for business success. You know, if sweat, long hours, and harder work was the formula for business success, there'd be a lot more successful business out there. But you look at the business, it tend to be more successful. The person at the head of that, and, you know, if they scale the, the management of, a, of that, they have a different dimension. They have, you know, they understand that in commerce. They understand they need to differentiate themselves. They need to get an angle that will give them an advantage out there. They need to move away from being so price sensitive uh, part of the continuum. And, you know, they're just smarter and they give themselves time to be smart. You know, they will come on programs or they'll go to conferences or they'll read uh, uh, about other people. They'll adopt various role models. You know, they're, they're hungry for an angle. And if you're hungry for an angle and you're clear about what you want, or clearer about what you want, then uh, you're far more likely to have sustained a kind of journey behind you to get there, you know. Blaise, there is also, of course, concern within the business community today about the cost of living crisis and its consequence in terms of dampening demand in the market. What are your thoughts on that? That is real. But against that, then, if you look at the deposits in the bank, uh, I think it's 160 billion or something at the moment uh, post-COVID. That's just in Ireland, around the world. There's a wall of money out there looking for places to go. Uh, you know, all the the various funds out there, all the, the hedge funds, all that, they're, they're awash with money. There's no shortage of money, but there is a shortage of is good jockeys with good horses to put put it under, you know. Blaze house prices, of course, we've seen some changes being made to the calculation of mortgages recently through the central bank, increasing that multiple from 3.5 to 4 times salary. What impact do you think that that's going to have on the market? Of course, there is concern today that will developers and builders increase the price of homes as a result? 
or will it actually make it easier for people to buy houses? Yeah, it's difficult to know. Uh, I had just had the central bank yesterday saying that it might have a modest uh, impact on prices. But if it brought forward extra supply, that would be a very positive thing from a, a, a price kind of sensitivity perspective. You know, when a policy is changed, you know, the, the assumption about uh, the changes of that policy, how that will affect uh, impact on people over the next 12 or two or three years, uh, generally it tends to be different than one anticipates. So I'm no wiser than anybody else in relation to it, but the one thing I would hope it to do is that might encourage more developers to come forward with more supply. For those employers that are tuned in this morning to hear your words of wisdom, what would you say to them in relation to what's happening in the recruitment market currently? Many of the employers listening this morning are struggling to fill roles. And then secondly, they're also struggling to retain talent. Yeah, and it's, it's right across the board, right through from small business to big business, you know. Uh, again, it's a supply-demand situation. For the first time ever, we have an excess of 2.5 million people going to work every day, which is phenomenal from the country point of view. That's always going to be supply-demand uh, kind of a thing. The I suppose people get to a certain point that money is very important at a critical point, but, you know, other people are, uh, and I think COVID probably taught people that maybe there's other options that, you know, have a local employer, uh, you know, it's not all necessarily about money because half it is gone in tax one way or the other, right? Um, but I think small businesses, because of the size of them, uh, they don't have a, and can't have a very clear path of promotion, that type of thing, right? There's a there's generally a very big reluctance uh, vis-a-vis dilution of equity, and that's a very sensitive issue for small business. But, you know, if the supply-demand thing continues to be very tight into the future, you know, some creative uh, thinking may have to come up in relation to that, you know? Of course, the government did introduce the KEEP scheme. Mm. Should more businesses across more sectors be considering that today? You know, if somebody has 100% equity there, right, you know, they're trying to scale the business and they need good people around them and and they can't really afford maybe to pay top dollar, they'll have to be able to attract them somewhere. And, you know, if they were able to kind of share out even, let's say, 10% of the equity, maybe put it into B shares uh, and put some conditions around those B shares, uh, you would hold on probably to some talented people because uh, they feel they have, they have a bit of the progress going forward. And, you know, it, with a good shareholders agreement, it takes away some of the fright of giving away some of the equity, I think. It can be got around with a good shareholders agreement, you know. Blaze, what's your outlook for 2023 in the Irish economy? Well, I'm always optimistic, of course. Right? If you take the economy in its totality, uh, like the economy, despite everything, is actually doing very well in, in the global sense. Now, individuals will be playing different games within that. Um, we were, the country is well-funded. Banks are well-funded. A lot of companies have strong balance sheets. Uh, you know, we probably, you know, if all the experts are correct, we'll probably avoid technically going into recession, uh, you know, and if we do that, um, you know, it's, it's a plus. But this cycle will move on. All cycles move on. And there'll be good days again. And my advice always to business people is, you know, when th- things are good, when trading is good, 
one has to try and create as much surplus as one can uh, so as to build the reserves in the balance sheet because you will need those reserves in the balance sheet during downtimes. And there'll be downtimes again. Like if you take the average business person, they're probably in business somewhere between 15 and 30 years in that kind of time frame, right? Within that, they're going to see three or four cycles. Too good, too bad. And, you know, and it'll never be any different in my view. Blaze, finally, and I know you are very strong on the importance of planning in business. And of course, now in quarter four of this year, many businesses will be starting to plan for 2023. What advice have you got for them as they embark on that? I think to be realistic, you know, um, be honest with themselves as well, I think. Uh, you know, a lot of planning is kind of very notional and very theoretical, right? I would say get, get down and uh, kind of dissect it out by product range or by customer, by customer category or whatever. And, you know, uh, and set, I would say, reasonable, stretchy targets, but then come up with action plans to go after those targets. Life planning, as I see it, it's done on paper, but it doesn't happen on the ground. And not enough of uh, the people are bought into it often, you know. It's kind of a theoretical exercise. A lot of business plans are written, in my view, for the wrong reason. They're written to satisfy grant giving agencies or the bank or whatever, and then they're never looked at again, kind of a thing, you know. So it's all based on the, how credible the assumptions are. No, I can't predict the future. Nobody can. But we have to make reasonable, uh, kind of a, uh, kind of a, we have to make a reasonable stab at it and plan and get our resources in place for that. Because if if one wants to be there for the long game, sometimes there'll be headwinds in your face, sometimes there'll be wind to your back, sometimes there'll be wind to your side. But we, you know, nothing is forever in business. And there'll be good times and bad times, but we need, during the good times, to trade well, and the bad times be, be tight and be, but still, there's often more wealth created in bad times than in good times by the smart guys. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Blaise Brosnan from the Management Resource Institute. And as always, I'd like to thank Blaise for imparting some valuable business advice. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.